0: So good to be back again on a on a Wednesday night. Good to see your faces and appreciate your prayers so much. As I was talking to Pastor Nathan, what's on my heart, uh, I'd like to begin a series of studies from the book of Acts with you tonight. Um, the Acts of the Apostles, or more appropriately, the Acts of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, and through the Apostles' labors. Um, We want to remember some things before we try to delve into the text, actual text. We need to remember that Luke, the beloved physician uh, referred to in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, was a close, close companion of the Apostle Paul. We know that he traveled with the Apostle Paul, and most commentators that i've read claimed that luke was a gentile and that uh, as a gentile grew up in antioch of syria and if you recall in acts chapter 13 remember the apostle paul and barnabas were members at the church at antioch so that that's where their relationship actually began and um and brother luke is a special character In the tapestry of God's witnesses. Because he, in the gospel narrative that is bearing his name, chronicled historically the birth and ministry of Christ, as well as his death, burial, and resurrection. And I want to go to Luke chapter 24 and show you how Luke ended his gospel message that was written about 60 to 62 A.D. and connected to the first chapter of the book of Acts. Here we find Christ appearing to His disciples, and verse 45, He opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, which would relate to the Old Testament. Remember, that's all they had at that time. They had the Old Testament Scriptures, uh, the Old Testament uh, from Genesis to Malachi. That's, that's the reference here to scriptures. And He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. Now, I, I just want to make this note here. it's Brother Luke that mentions that the gospel is to go to all nations. Now that includes the Gentiles. Now as Christ was expounding the scriptures to them from the Old Testament, I want you to picture in your mind two mountains. This is what the Jews in the Old Testament saw. They saw two mountains, but they didn't see the valley between the two mountains. What Luke is going to help us understand is the activity of the Holy Spirit in the valley between the two mountains. Because God had an initial plan and purpose for ancient Israel, and He has a future plan for Israel, but between those two is a large valley in which the church of the Lord Jesus Christ appears. And I think it's interesting that God would choose a Gentile. To write about that facet of the message of the Great Commission, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations of the Gentiles, you see, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, Luke writes, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, which was close to Jerusalem. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Here's the ascended Savior. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, that concludes the, the, the gospel account of Luke. Well, we're going to pick up on this story in Acts chapter 1. And we note this. It's interesting, at least to my mind, that the gospel of Luke, as well as the book of Acts, the account of Acts, the historical account of Acts, is uh, written to the same person who has a pseudonym. Um, who has a a fake name, Theophilus, which means lover of God. But he's referred to as most excellent Theophilus, both in Luke chapter 1, verse 4, as well as in Acts chapter 1. And the reason that's significant is that this must have been a Roman um, ruler, uh, someone high up in the Roman government because they would be referred to as most excellent. We know that from the way uh Festus and uh Agrippa were both addressed later in the same book of Acts. They're addressed as most excellent. They're rulers, they're they're uh bigwigs, they're uh political leaders. And now Luke comes to this part of his history, his historical account, and um I want to underscore the fact that his gospel and Acts form a historical account of the founding of Christianity from the birth of Christ to the imprisonment of Paul at Rome. The original manuscript from which this is uh, copied is just simply Acts. Or in the Greek language it would be Proxeus, Proxeus. And Proxeus literally means... Great deeds or works achieved by great men—that's what it means. So it—it's it, within the uh, nomenclature of the academic society in which Luke was a part as a physician to use those terminology, use that terminology to address the great and mighty achievements of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the apostles and the early Christian church. And uh, if, if you wanted to just make a quick note of this, you could divide the book of Acts into two parts. The first 12 chapters are going to deal primarily with the ministry of Peter and primarily with his ministry among the Jews. And from chapter 13 through 28, it's going to focus on Paul and primarily his ministry among the Gentiles. That's the way we can study the book of Acts together. But let us notice, uh, if you don't mind, the first nine verses of chapter 1. Luke writes, The former treatise, the former treatise, the former writing, have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Now that would be the Great Commission. To whom also he showed himself alive, after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. To Israel? Why would they ask that question? Because they saw that second mountain. See, they understood the first mountain in the old covenant, but they saw that second mountain, which is a kingdom mountain. And they said, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times, or the seasons, which the Father hath put in His own power. But ye shall receive power, Dunamas, dynamite, uh, ability, after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up in a cloud Received him out of their sight. We need to keep in mind that the Book of Acts is a transitional bridge between the the gospel narratives of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the doctrinal epistles of the Apostle Paul. It's it's a bridge uh, through which we are able to understand how the early church expanded and how quickly. It would be charged with those that turned the world upside down. It's a transitional uh, book in that sense. It's a transition between the ministry of Christ and His apostles. It's a transition between the Old Covenant and the New. uh, From Israel as uh, God's witness nation uh, to the church witness of both Jews and Gentiles alike. And how the church was commanded to fulfill that great commission. To proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Now brothers and sisters, I'm going to take a moment now. To, to, to go into something that the Apostle Paul taught us about this great mystery. This great valley between the two mountains. Turn quickly with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see something and rejoice with me as Gentile believers tonight how that God would uh, orchestrate these events in such a way as you and I tonight can rejoice in the good news of Jesus Christ that began with the Jewish church so long ago. We have been given this. And I want you to see something and underscore something with me. The Apostle Paul in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, he's talking to a Gentile church at Ephesus, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. In other words, they were called the uncircumcised by Jewish people that at that time, look at their condition, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, brothers and sisters, what he's describing here is a spiritual alienation that Gentiles naturally had from what God had given to the Jew, what God had given to Israel. Um... Remember what we studied in Romans chapter 3 when Paul asked the question, What advantage has the Jew? He says, Much in every way. For unto them were committed the oracles of God. God gave to Israel as a nation and a people a revelation of Himself. But there's something that I want you to underscore about that relationship tonight. In the Old Covenant, they were separated from God. In the Old Covenant, they were distant from God. Remember, even Moses had to be placed in the cleft of a rock that he could only witness the hinder parts of God. He could not see the face of God. Remember, uh, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve transgressed, God placed an angel in the gate with a flaming sword to separate. To put distance between sinful man and a holy God. Remember in the uh, description of the tabernacle and later the temple. How that there was divisions made that prevented the the ordinary worshiper from entering into communion and worship of God. He had to stand on the outside of the gate. He had to stand on the outside of the court. Um, They were distant from God. They were separated from God by a series of veils. There was a veil in the front and a veil over the Holy of Holies. You see, uh, God was manifest among the people of Israel, but they were distant. They were separated from Him. But when Jesus Christ came and He died upon that old rugged cross, remember the veil of the temple was rent top to bottom. That By the way, that veil was 30 feet tall. It was impossible for a man to get on top of that veil and tear it. And by the way, it was uh, the width of a man's hand. It was about four inches thick. It was something that had to be torn by God Himself. But I submit to you tonight that what that defined was a change in the relationship that God's people have with the living God that we did not have under the Old Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, we were distant from God. But here the Apostle Paul is going to give you some good news. Because in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2, he says, But now, I want you to underscore that, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes, what? afar off, distant, are made nigh, near." How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. I submit to you that that is the ground, uh, the basis of the new covenant relationship that we have with God. We have access to God. We can come near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what Luke is encapsulating in the work of the Acts of the Apostles. He's showing us how that good news message... That we are no longer alienated from God. But through the blood of Jesus Christ have direct access to Him. He's uh, he's showing us how that message started out at Jerusalem. And then in this concentric circle of divine providence. that, That message that started in Jerusalem would go to all of Judea. And from Judea it would go to all of Samaria. And from Samaria it would go to the very ends. Of the Roman Empire world. And, and, and Luke is, is rejoicing in that account. And he wants to write it down accurately. He wants to write it down specifically. He wants to write it down so subsequent generations of believers could rest in the knowledge that God's providential purpose in the establishment of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would never be overthrown. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Acts is just the living out of that sacred promise. So here, now go back to the book of Acts, and and let's unpack this for a few minutes here tonight. He says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus. Now what is that former treaties? That former treaties is the gospel account. That's the gospel of Luke. He sent it to Theophilus. And Theophilus understood uh, what he read. He, He rejoiced in what he read. And he wanted to know what happened after the death of Christ. You see. He wanted to know if the church that Jesus Christ established stopped when Jesus died. Did it cease to exist? How is it going to survive? Without its head. The only way it can is by virtue of Christ's resurrection. It's his resurrected uh, body that today uh, resides at the right hand of the Father. When somebody asks us, who is the head of your church? Have you ever been asked that? I've been asked that. I love it when they ask that. I just grin inside. (laughs) I say, He's in heaven. And his name is Jesus. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father on high. Tonight. Well, he's writing that treatise uh, to Theophilus, and that pseudonym is used to protect the identity of this Roman official. It wasn't a very popular thing for a Roman official to be a believer in Jesus Christ, it brought a lot of persecution. But listen to this carefully tonight. He says, Of all that Jesus began, both to do and to teach. Now I'll tell you what. The message of the gospel is defined by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's finished. It's completed. Never to be undone. Never to have to be done again. But ah, Luke is going to share with us tonight that there's an unfinished work of Jesus Christ that he's doing today through his church. You see, the history of the church of Christ is still being written. It's still being written today. And praise God, we're a part of that history. He says, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, not just to teach, but also to do. "...until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen." And brothers and sisters, that's a a simple mandate that Jesus Christ gave to the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I submit to you that that great commission that was entrusted to the apostles was given also to the church because the apostles are a part of the church. Uh, The apostles are not over here and the church over here. The apostles are a part of the church. And it's under the apostolic mandate that the church still has that command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If we were to continue our reading there in Ephesians chapter 2 and drop down to verse 21 and 22, we would find that to be verified. But what I want to understand is that even though there are many hindrances to the spread of the gospel, yet the gospel of Jesus Christ has survived over 2,000 years, and it's going to be here when Jesus Christ returns a second time. Because it cannot be destroyed. You cannot destroy the truth. Hallelujah. Now, He gave this command. It's not just a good idea. He's not making suggestions but he's, he's giving commands to his chosen to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. And what gives him authority to do that? Verse three. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. Stop right there. To whom also he showed, he manifested, he revealed himself alive after his passion or after his suffering, after his struggle upon the cross. And he says, I love this, by many infallible proofs. That word infallible there simply means that which is irrefutable. It is infallible. It's something that uh, is unmistakable and inerrant, as uh, Noah's Web- Noah Webster's dictionary tells us. It's something that uh, can't be undone. It's infallibly true by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days. Now this is significant because He's giving us a time frame here. A time frame from the day of Passover. Remember, uh, Jesus was crucified just before the Passover. Remember? And He had to be buried before the sun went down on that day, before the Sabbath day observance would be uh, begun. So now we have 40 days from the time of Christ's crucifixion, and the following Sunday was the time of His resurrection. So here it's interesting, because as we measure time, 50 days will come to another feast that was observed by the religious Jews called Pentecost. Exactly 50 days. So, Jesus was actually witnessed by His disciples and above 500 believers in Galilee, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, He was observed by all of these people alive after His passion. He was seen of Mary Magdalene in Mark chapter 16. He was seen of the women running from the empty tomb in Matthew 28. He was seen of Peter in his restoration in uh, uh, Luke 24 verse 34. He was seen by the two uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. He was seen uh, with the disciples uh, uh, before Thomas was there in John 20 verse 19. He was seen with the disciples and Thomas in John 20, verse 28. 500 believers in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 6. He was seen of the apostles altogether in Mark 16 and Matthew 28. He was seen of James, the half-brother of Jesus, in 1 Corinthians fifteen seven. He was seen by the church or public assembly uh, in His uh, uh, resurrected form in Luke 24, verse 44. He was seen by Stephen... In his martyrdom in Acts chapter 7. He was seen by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. He was seen by John the Apostle in Revelation chapter 1. Do you need any more proof? I wanted to share that with you because this is without question. It's infallible eyewitness proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I want to underscore that with you as the brother Luke did so long ago. This is not Luke's opinion. It's not the consensus of the ruling party of Luke's day. This is something that was eyewitnessed by many, many people over the course of 40 days. Not just one day, but over 40 days they witnessed the resurrected Savior. And what was He teaching them? Things concerning the kingdom of God. (laughs) Things that really matter. Things that are eternal. Hmm. And being assembled together, verse 4, with them, He commanded them, didn't just suggest, He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, ye have heard of Me. Now, brothers and sisters, you got to understand, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus Christ is teaching The new covenant ministry of the Holy Spirit. In those chapters, He's teaching them that He's not going to leave us as an orphan. He's not going to leave us comfortless. But He said, if I go, I'll send another comforter. Isn't that something? If I go, I'll send another comforter. And what's He going to do? He's going to teach you the things that I have taught you to observe. He's going to bring to remembrance the teachings that I have given you the last three years. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. This is the new covenant ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is the promise of the Father that He made. And He goes on. He says, verse 5, For John, because or upon the basis of this fact... And and when he says John here, he's talking about John the Baptist. And John truly baptized with water. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Now, were you and I to take the time, we could go back to that reference in Matthew chapter 3. When John comes out of the wilderness of Judea preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember that? And boy, he laid the axe to the root, didn't he? He called those religious Pharisees uh, a bunch of hypocrites and uh, vipers. I mean, that that doesn't sound like a, a too woke of a gospel to me. In fact, if you, if you want a woke gospel tonight, you've come to the wrong place. You'll never hear a woke gospel in the church of the living God. But John said these words. He said he wasn't the Messiah, but he that cometh after me... "...shall baptize you with fire." Notice he, Luke did Luke, uh, the, with the Holy Ghost and fire. Luke didn't list fire here. He listed the Holy Ghost. I believe the reason was the baptism of fire that John the Baptist was talking about was against the unbeliever, was against those that did not obey Christ, did not follow Christ... But there were those that did. And they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I believe they still are. They still are. Every one of them will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But he says, not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore? Will you do what we know the second mountain is about? We're still not understanding what this valley's about called the church. We're, We're still not understanding what this mystery is that has been kept secret from the very beginning of time. And Jesus, notice Jesus didn't say, oh, you foolish, what a foolish question you're asking me. Oh, you ought to be ashamed of yourself to ask me such a question about the kingdom that I promised to Israel. He didn't say that at all. He just simply said, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know. In other words, there is a time when that kingdom will be manifested to His people Israel. But right now, you're a part of something far greater and more spiritual. And that is the church of the living God, the the bride of Jesus Christ. He He said this to them, But ye shall receive power, verse 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now, um, this is going to be ten days days, uh, later. In just a few days they're going to receive that. And we're going to read about it in Acts chapter 2. But I don't want to neglect this pattern. There's a pattern of evangelism here that is... Necessary for us to understand and embrace. Evangelism begins at home, at Jerusalem. See, I believe that's part of what the church is here to do. The church is here to instruct the believer and to equip the believer how to share their faith with others. It begins with us in our homes. As we teach our children these principles in our daily devotion, in our uh, catechism. We try to uh, teach or impart these sacred truths to equip them to be able to stand against error. But also to share the truth that God has given us with others. It starts at Jerusalem. Then it goes to Judea. Then it goes to Samaria. Then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I want you to underscore the word be. I want you to underscore the word be. You shall be witnesses unto me. He's talking, my brothers and sisters, about a lifestyle. He's not talking simply about a confession or a profession. He's talking about a lifestyle. Christianity is a lifestyle. And true witnessing... Is done with the way we live. More than what we say. Amen. Amen. I believe that's part of what we see in this. You shall be witnesses. You're going to be living out your Christian faith. Even in a very unfriendly and opposing culture. You're going to be living out these principles before a watching world. And it's going to have an impact in their lives and understanding. This connects, does it not, to what Jesus called us to be. In Matthew chapter 5, salt and light in the culture. He called us to that. You shall be witnesses unto me. And when he had spoken this, when he had spoken these things while they beheld, I love this part of the story. He was taken up. Now, I want to stop right there. Just think about this. Would you? Imagine. Standing there talking to Jesus. And all of a sudden, you know, and He's got His hands out, blessing the people, right? And all of a sudden, there's six inches between His feet and the ground. And then there's a foot. And then there's two foot. And then there's eight foot and ten foot. And they just keep watching Him. And then God opens their eyes and they see this cloud of witnesses. They see this cloud of angels that are actually carrying Him into glory. I don't know how you feel about this, but I believe that's exactly the way it is with God's people in the world. We don't climb some mystical stairway into glory. We're carried there were carried into the very presence of our Father. I love that, taken up. (laughs) I love that, taken up. And a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as He went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner. As ye have seen Him go into heaven. I want to close with this thought. Oh, isn't this precious? Isn't this a precious part of the Christian witness? That we don't have to fear death. Because at death we'll be carried into the presence of the Father. But also, at the end of this age, at the end of this period of time in God's economy, Jesus Christ is going to come again. Jesus Christ in person is going to appear in the same manner, in in great power and in great glory. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that in Matthew chapter 25 when He says, uh, uh, In that day shall the Son of Man come with uh, great uh, uh, power and glory, with His holy angels with Him, and He shall say unto His sheep on His right hand, Come unto me, ye blessed of my Father, and inherit... The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Brothers and sisters, I believe every word of that to be true. Every heir of promise, every elect child of grace is going to receive that inheritance. And we're going to receive it at the same time. We're going to receive it in the same way. We're going to receive it from the same hand. And brothers and sisters, it's a nail-scarred hand. It's It's the hand of the Messiah. It's the hand of the one that came into the world to die for our sins. To give up His life so that we might live forever in His presence. Now do you see why we're going to rejoice in Luke's account? He's always reminding us of the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. May it be so tonight. Thank you for your good attention.